tonight in this building, the story that we all know so well becomes a little bit more clear and real. We see crosses all over the town when we drive around on churches and sometimes outside. We see people, people wearing their crosses on chains around their neck. But seldom we are reminded of what happened on that day and why there were even crosses there. And then your cross. We cannot start without thanking you for this. The only reason why we can be on this corner in 2020 is because of what happened there, because of you, and then also what happened on Sunday, Easter Sunday. But without this event on Friday, we would still stand before our Father with all our sin. Nothing washed away, not clean. No one to stand between us and God's wrath. We thank you for taking this upon you, that we may stand here, sit here, and be called, be called the children of God. I ask that you will help me tonight as I'm going to read your story, then trying to interpret, Lord, what you would like us to understand. Let these words that I share with myself and with the others tonight be lit by your Spirit and work inside us in such a way that as we leave this place, we will be reminded of the love of God for us. We ask this in the name of Jesus, as this bird sings outside for us. Amen. Luke chapter 23. Pilate then called the, together the chief priests, the leader, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has, neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This, this was a man who has been put in prison for insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate wanted to release Jesus, addressed him again, but they kept on shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who has been put in prison for insurrection and murder. And he handed Jesus over as they wished. This is the word of our Lord. 
What a terrible story. To be honest, everything about this story is wrong. You know, if you would have no respect for Jesus, that He's the Son of God, if you don't care for, his, for the salvation story that's part of what's happening here, and you just would read the story, you would say to yourself, this is truly a really terrible story. Imagine that this would happen to one of your family members. That this person that you know so well is really a great person, a good person, would stand before people, stand before a judge, and, and people yell, get rid of this person, kill this person. You know, this person has done nothing that deserves this. I've had a few people say to me, well, Ferdy, you know, Jesus had to die. We all know this. If He didn't die for us, then we would and could not be saved. That's true. The Old Testament tells us a sacrifice is necessary for our sins to be covered so that we can stand before God. That's all okay. But why this drama? Why this kind of death? Why this story that sort of rips our heart out? Why did God make it so difficult? Couldn't He just do something else or let, let Jesus come and die? And it's all done. Why this terrible story of Lent that we looked at and all the suffering that Jesus experienced and then this last few hours and days that he had to endure. I think I know why. Because this is not only the story of Jesus, but this is the story of us in the year 2022. It's the story of humanity and the story of God that will stretch over all generations and always, I think, in a way, will be true. And let's go and discover why I say this. So why is Jesus even standing here in front of Pilate? There are two reasons. The first reason is that the leaders um, didn't really like him and they wanted to get rid of him because he was a threat to them. You see, the leaders of that time, the, the church leaders and the other leaders, political leaders, they had figured it completely out. They figured God out. They knew what God wanted. They knew what God wanted people to do to be saved. They knew what God wanted people to do at the temple. They knew everything about God and about salvation and about worship. They were bright enough to come up with 613 rules for people to keep every single day because if you don't keep their rules, you cannot be saved. They had it all figured out. And that brought order. That didn't disturb anything. The Romans were fine with the way that the Jews acted because the leaders had control over them. And they had their thing that they, were, uh, their thing that they had with the jo uh, Roman leaders, so everything was calm in place and orderly. It all fit well into the culture system of that time. Then this Jesus came. Way too radical. Way too radical. He talked way too much about love. He talked way too much about grace. He talked way too much about the kingdom of God. He reached out and he touched people that they thought should be untouchable. He reached out and spoke to people that they thought were below them, that you wouldn't even associate yourself with. He came to break all their social rules that they had in place to keep themselves clear of all the things that they, that they did not like. He was Contra culture. What has that to do with us in 2022? 
I mean, that's a route that the church in many ways has taken in the last many years. We have figured God out, haven't we? Now, I'm not talking about this church. Of course, we do not have God figured out. Of course, how can we? But I'm surrounded, or we are surrounded by churches and places that tells us they know who God is and they know what He wants. And they've created a God that is actually an extension of their own imagination. And they tell me many times where I go to meetings, well, this is what we think God wants. Don't come and disturb this because it won't fit into the culture. It will ruffle the feathers. It will make people feel not that great about themselves anymore. And in some way, that's also true in our culture. The church just needs to fit in. Not too much about the kingdom of God anymore, please. Not about Christ and His death on the cross and about sin. Please, don't mention these things. You may disturb. We do not want people to be disturbed because the psychologist tells us you should not in any way make people emotionally feel bad about themselves, even if they go to hell feeling bad about themselves. should not have added that sentence, but that's true. It was a huge disappointment to the people. I purposefully kept the palms that we had on Sunday. See how withered they are. They are a week old. A week ago, Jesus was riding on his donkey towards Jerusalem, and the people were waving these things. Oh, Jesus, so glad that he's here. A week later, they shouted, kill him. Why would that happen? The palms now lying on the side, withered, not interested in waving this to Jesus anymore. Now they want to wave different things at him, but not the palms anymore. I think we all know why they were so disappointed in him, because it didn't give them what they wanted. Of course, isn't that why people believe in God many times? Because they want God to provide for them everything that they want. We are so important to ourselves that it's all about me and my kingdom and my story and the things that are important to me in my life. So I would like God to be a part of my story and He's supposed to serve me. And therefore, if He doesn't serve me, then I get extremely disappointed in Him. And that's what happened. They wanted him to come into Jerusalem. They wanted him to overthrow the Romans. And they, he had to come and stop all the stuff that they didn't like. That he politically, he had to free them and do many more things. And what did he do? He came in. He cleaned the temple that irritated him because you're not supposed to do this. And then he spoke about the kingdom of God and grace and love and salvation. Not about the stuff that I want him to talk about. I want him to fix my life and things around me. He should have healed everybody that's sick and he only healed a few, not all. What about me? I didn't get bread when he multiplied the bread. I didn't get whatever he gave, wine at the wedding. So why must I even in any way recognize him? Countless of people I've talked to in my life who've walked away from Christ. He didn't answer my prayers. I asked and he did not give what I asked for. Then I tried to tell them, but it's way more important what serves his kingdom than your own private world. And sometimes he will give us what we ask for, but sometimes he won't. Because he just won't serve his kingdom to serve you. Freddie, don't tell me this. 
this is important to me, and the Lord did not help me. And we turn away. Then you had this really unlikely defender, a Roman. He has nothing to do with God, Christ, the church, anything. And he stands there and says, I can't find any fault with him. Why is this story even in the Bible? Do you know why? Because God in his wisdom wants to tell us that he and his son and the Holy Spirit are innocent. But we blame them for everything that's wrong. Pilate looked at Jesus. He said, why did you bring this man to me? There's nothing that I can find that even allows you to bring him in front of me. If you, if you would place God in a judgment seat and really think, what is it that you can accuse him of? There's nothing. Nothing that will stand or stick. Because he's God. And here the world, in a sense, is defending our Jesus. The church accusing. The people that's supposed to know accusing. And the world, in a sense, says, I can't understand. Then the choice, who should I let go? And then they yelled, Barabbas, Barabbas. Barabbas was a zealot. He was a guy, he, he was like a, like a guerrilla fighter. He was like a terrorist in our terms, in a sense. They, they knew they had no, no, no way to overthrow the Roman Empire. It was impossible. So what did they do? A few soldiers would stand on a corner, in, at night, and they would come and they would knife the guy in the back and run away and hide. Then there's a soldier dead, or two or three. Then a few weeks later, they would attack another guy, soldier that's walking to his house or whatever. They knew it was a Roman soldier. Take him out. That's what they did. To irritate the Romans, to let the Romans know that what they thought about their, <coughs> their, their, their leadership and about the fact that they controlled Israel was wrong. So that's what they did. Barabbas was a murderer because he did kill Romans. So when the people had a decision they, to decide between the kingdom representative or Barabbas that rep represents the world way, they chose him. I told you this is our story today, the story in 2022 in a way. Be honest. If you need to figure out how to resolve an issue at work, do you do it in a way that the world does it? Or do you, do you go to your Bible the evening before and try to find what the living Lord wants you to do tomorrow? It's true of me also. We always figure out the way to resolve stuff in the way that we got used to it. In the worldly way. How do I resolve conflict at home? The same as my neighbor. I yell, scream, slam a door maybe. How do I resolve stuff in my work, whatever. I become mean like all the other people do. I fall back into the way that the world do things. That's what happened here. An example that we mostly would turn away from the godly answer to the world answer because we believe the world answer will bring us the results that we are looking for and we constantly fail. Fourth, last point. 
the first beneficiary of the gospel. I've been a pastor for 42 years, and I realized this only two weeks ago, maybe three, maybe four weeks ago, when I read the story again. This Barabbas guy, he's sitting in prison. He killed Romans. He knew he had, he, he's in trouble, man. And I think already he had some bruises on his body because they were not very kind to him because he's one that killed one of ours and he knew he was going to be crucified that Friday. He knew it. Barabbas is waking up that morning sitting in the dungeon. Maybe he didn't even sleep for weeks because he knows on Friday these Romans are going to come after me for what I've done. And he knows how bad a crucifixion can be and he probably would have also been nailed as Jesus was. To make it harder and more painful. Flock where they rip the skin off your body. Leave you hanging in the sun for hours and hours and hours until you die of thirst and whatever. He knew this. That evening he was home. That evening he was home. Having dinner with his family. His kids, if he had. His brothers and sisters, his family running towards him. That morning he was in prison. He was on his way to be dead that evening he's sitting at home. Having dinner with his family. Imagine that conversation. Barabbas, what are you doing here? I have no idea. I shouldn't be here. But there's a Jesus guy that they like less than me. And they pointed him out. And when they released me, I ran, man, to get back to you guys. But I have an idea what they did to him. Because I knew they would do it to me. But they didn't. I'm home. I'm home. So in this story, that's actually the story of Jesus standing in front of Pilate. We find a little bit our story, isn't it? We find that we also do not always make the best choices. We find that in many ways, we, we many times do not really want to ruffle the feathers that much. When we are at work, we don't talk about Jesus, about our faith about what we believe because we are afraid we may stir. We like the status quo. We discover that in many different ways we are disappointed in Christ because many times we are angry at Him because He doesn't give me, to what, give me what I ask Him. And if He doesn't give it to me, I'm upset with Him because He's a little bit more about my kingdom than He is. We may times forget the mess we are in because in a sense we are where Barabbas is in prison. In a way we are in Barabbas' position where actually the end is death and separation from God. That is what we deserve because even though we are not murderers, we deserve this punishment before God because we have stepped completely out of line what God's commandments and decrees are. But Christ comes, and willingly he stands there. He did not stand there because the people really brought him. He did not die because they chose him. The Bible tells us they did this because it was part of God's decree, part of God's action. Christ came 
that you can have dinner with your family. And I can have dinner with my family one day in heaven. That I can sit at the banquet of God and live. That I can have a life in Christ on this side of the grave where I have hope and I have dreams and I can do it over again. I can have this second chance to do it right after I met Christ and I can now go and say, I'm not going to be a murderer anymore and I'm not going to live this life anymore because Christ died for me and I, I, I have my people with me. I, I can live. A short-term gratification in Christ to be with my family here. A long-term gratification to be with my family in heaven. This is the gift of the story. The story of God's terrible love for us. I told you it's a story of us and of God. On the one hand, in the story, I discover myself early in many different ways. But on the other hand, I discover again. Why would God do this? What have we done as humans on this planet since our creation that could impress God in any way? There's nothing. In Genesis chapter 6, God says, I'm so tired of this lot. I, I, need to take, I need to take them out of this world because they are just breaking my heart every day. Based on the Old Testament, God says, what are you doing? I'm trying my best to show myself to you guys. You're doing the opposite. In the New Testament, the same. But what do we find? A God that stays true to His promise to say, I will do whatever that you can be saved. And what I've done is to give my son in a story that's actually your story that you do not need to experience his story. Amen.